Good morning, church. Uh, one of the earliest greetings in the Christian faith was the one that we share and practice every year. Um, he is risen. And some of you know that, right? Uh, that today we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We celebrate this Easter. It's a great reminder every year of the fact that he lives. We don't serve a dead Savior year. We serve a living and risen Savior. And that's good news this morning. That's why we celebrate. That's why we can celebrate. How many of you noticed the lightning and the rain this morning? So this morning I'm walking out of the house, back to my shop, get ready to leave, and it's lightning, and I was reminded of the, the verse that said and it was still dark early in the morning just before the light when they discovered the empty tomb. And I was also reminded of another verse in chapter 24 of Matthew and the Olivet Discourse when Jesus said, Just as the lightning in the east is visible in the west, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. And I thought, how cool would it be if today were the day that Christ would return? Something to trump the resurrection of Jesus would be the return of Christ. We know it's happening, right? We know it's coming. And how cool would it be if it was happening on today? And so let me just give you this thought. What if today's the last day? What if today is the last day here on earth and Christ returns? What if he's just waiting for the last service to wrap up? One more opportunity for somebody to hear the gospel, somebody to make the decision to trust in him for faith. What if today is the last day? It changes our perspective, doesn't it? Are you glad you're here? Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's read the gospel um, account in Luke of the Resurrection Sunday. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture before we get into the message uh, this morning. But we're just the theme is he is risen indeed. Like factually, he is uh, risen. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would open our eyes. Let us behold wonderful truths today. We celebrate you. And, Lord, we look forward to you. We ask that you would just meet with us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 24, verse 1, and I'll go to 1 Corinthians 15 in a moment. We'll spend a little bit of time there. So, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day? Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the empty tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But their story sounded like nonsense. Why? Because nobody comes back from the dead, right? It sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter, Peter jumped up and he ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home wondering what had happened. The same day, a few hours later, it says the same, uh, the same day, the two of the disciples of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that have happened there in the past few days. What things, Jesus said. 
The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet for, who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of followers were at the tomb this morning, and they came back with this amazing report. They, they said that the body was missing and that they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to these two men, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus. At the end of the journey, Jesus acted as if he were going to go on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he was walking along the road with us earlier? As he was sharing the scriptures with us? And within the hour, no, they didn't stay home. It says they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others had gathered with them who said, The Lord is risen indeed. The Lord is really risen. He appeared to Peter. It says, then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you. Because that's what you say when you freak people out when you're all of a sudden standing in front of them. <laughs> Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he said. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then, then he asked them, do you have something here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. I'm sure they're like amazed. He's here. He's standing in front of us. He's eating fish, right? Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the, pro and the prophets and the Psalms, that they must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written about this message uh, would be proclaimed in all authority or in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses to these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. What an amazing morning and a day that would have been. To witness Jesus crucified on a cross, dead and buried in the tomb. The ladies were going to the tomb the next morning, uh, that Sunday morning, to prepare the body of Jesus for burial because he was dead. But they didn't find a dead Jesus. They found a Jesus who was alive and well, and there were many different evidences of that fact. They knew that Jesus had risen indeed. I want you to know that Easter today, as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, I believe it is the greatest event of all time. 
I, I really do. I believe it's the greatest event of all time. In fact, I would say it's one of the most powerful events of all time. Second to the return of Christ, when that's going to blow everybody's mind, right? But the resurrection of a man who was dead back to life is the greatest event to ever take place, the most powerful event on earth. In fact, the life of Christ so powerful that it split history right in half, B.C. and A.D. You're like, wait a minute, Shane. In B.C., like, are we celebrating his birth there? Yeah, but I would make the point that his birth really doesn't matter if we don't have the resurrection. Right? And if there's no resurrection of Jesus, then why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we celebrate any other holiday for that matter? Why do we even show up in church and worship if Jesus is, in fact, not risen? And so the question today is this. I believe the power of the resurrection still today has the power to change the direction and the course of our lives. Do you agree with that statement? All right, so here we are 2,000 years removed. When Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthian church, is about 20 years removed. And by this time, there were some, there were Sadducees. And an easy way to remember what the Sadducees believed is they did not believe in a bodily resurrection of someone who had died. So they were sad, you see. That's how you remember that. Sadducees did not believe in a bodily resurrection. And so he's, he's, he's kind of answering this question. This question I think needs to be answered today in our life is, how important and what is the significance of the resurrection? And so Paul answers this, and the question is, is why is it so important? How important is the resurrection of Christ? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, listen to Paul's argument. Verse 12, he says, but tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised either, we got a problem. He says that if Christ has not been raised, verse 14, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. And we've been saying it for 20 years, you might add. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, what about those who have died? All who have died believing in Christ are lost, eternally lost, if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the whole world. Paul is saying, hey, the resurrection of Christ is of utmost importance, the foundation of our faith. Church, I want you to know today, everything rises and falls on the resurrection, the doctrine of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we don't have a resurrection of Jesus, Paul just said, everything is empty and useless. If we don't have a resurrection of Jesus, he said, we are still in our sins. He said, if there's no resurrection, then all the apostles and everybody that claimed they saw Jesus, they're only lying about seeing Jesus alive. If there's no resurrection of sins, he's saying that those who have died believing in Jesus are lost for all of eternity. And finally, he says, if there's no resurrection, man, we are to be pitied more than anyone else in the whole world. The resurrection of Christ is the event that holds all of our Christendom together, Right? And so to not have a resurrected Jesus, so you know, what does it matter? So when Jesus is alive, did he, I don't believe he resurrected or whatever, the, the, the consequences or, if you will, the implications of that are catastrophic for all of humanity. Agreed? So he said, that's what we get if we have no resurrection. But I'm glad that Paul didn't leave them hanging there and he didn't leave us hanging there either. Amen? Because verse 20 summarizes the whole thing. While we're here today and while we celebrate. Listen to this. But in fact, say fact. 
Because there was no question in their minds that day, right? They had seen, they knew what they had witnessed. We have a lot of different reasons to see um, through Scripture and history um, that for them it was factual. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. That's the one verse that summarizes the hope that we have in the resurrection. It is foundational to our faith. I would say the resurrection is fact. How do I know that? Shane, you weren't there 2,000 years ago. How can you say it's fact? Well, I wasn't there when Abraham Lincoln was president, but I believe it's true. I have history books, right? The record of other people that tell me it's true. And the same thing is true with the history in the, the, the recorded scriptures, the gospels of the life of Christ. I believe it's true. I see the evidence of a, a radically changed group of men who, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, they all ran for their lives in fear, scared, and they abandoned Jesus. And you turn just a few pages into the book of Acts after Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes and empowers them, and you can't shut them up about what they've seen of the risen Lord. That's evidence to me something happened, Right? At the, the history of the scriptures, I have the, the evidence of the changed life of the apostles. And i got to say, i got the history, I've got the evidence of my own changed life. I know that I'm not the same that I used to be. And some of you that knew me back then might say, praise God. <laughs> but that's the same with each one of us who place our faith in Christ. It radically changes the course of our life. There's power in the resurrection. It is of significant importance. Amen? So the... The ramifications of no resurrection are catastrophic, but the flip side of that is what does it mean when we say Jesus is, in fact, risen from the dead? What kind of a, uh, an event 2,000 years ago, how does it have bearing on my life today? Something that happened 2,000 years ago. Well, I want to share with you briefly a few of those ways. Number one, it means that our sins are forgiven. You ever struggle with guilt? Oh, let me start here. Has anybody ever messed up in life this morning? The reality is, is we all fail. We all mess up. And I think there's something in us. When that happens, we just long for, you know, this. We want to be clean. We want to be forgiven. We want to know there's a way for us to, to make things right. And we know that through the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, that God made a way for us to be made right with him by sacrificing his only begotten son to pay the penalty for our sins. Because the Bible says the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so here's what we know. The death of Christ that on Good Friday that we remember was a reminder that the penalty, the payment that was demanded for all of humanity's sin was paid. How do I know it was enough? The resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus demonstrates that everything that needed to be taken care of to pay for my sin and your sins and the sins of the whole world was accepted by God. And it was almost a reward to Jesus, like, hey, resurrected life, and it's like a, a receipt for you and me. You know what a receipt is, right? A receipt, kind of pull it out of your pocket, you got a time stamp, a date, a location, and it's a reminder of a purchase that has been made. And so for us, Resurrection Sundays, we celebrate the risen Lord. It is a reminder that our sins have been forgiven. Past tense have been forgiven because of what Christ has done. And every Easter we say he is risen. It's just a beautiful reminder, done. Paid in full. That's good news, isn't it? That's what we have because of the resurrected Lord. We have the forgiveness of our sins. When Jesus on the cross said to Telestai, he, he was saying, it is finished. What was finished? 
His purpose, his mission, the reason he came in the first place. He said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I came to die for you, is what Jesus said. And on the cross, just before he gave up his life, he said, done. What I came here for has been accomplished. The sins of the whole world have been paid for by my one sacrifice. It is finished. Jesus paid the full penalty for your sin, for my sins. He was the perfect sacrifice. Amen? And so Romans 4.25 said he was delivered up or he was handed over, if you will, because of our transgressions. That means he was crucified because of our sins. But the next verse Paul says, but he was raised up for our justification. Or a better, better way of putting it is he was raised up because of our justification. It's a demonstration that God was satisfied with the payment that Jesus made. If Jesus hadn't been risen from the dead... He might have died for his own sins, but there's no guarantee that he died for the sins of the world. But coming out of the grave was a powerful reminder and demonstration that all sin has been dealt with once for all with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So our sins are forgiven. That's our past. How about today? One of the other, I guess, implications of the fact that Jesus lives is our lives today have purpose. I know a lot of people walking around on planet Earth that are just trying to figure it out. I was one of them. We've got a world that is just telling you, man, if you just have enough money, if you just get successful, if you just have the right partner, if you just have the right hobbies, if you just do the right things, acquire the right stuff, then maybe you can find peace and maybe you can find happiness and you can find a sense of purpose and meaning. And we know that everything and anything this world has to offer falls drastically short of what we desperately need. I think a lot of us long for purpose. We want to know, what is our purpose? Sadly, not very many of us ask, God, what is your purpose for me? See, God had a purpose for Jesus. And the purpose was for Jesus to come to the earth, right? He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent him to the the, the earth, right? As a sacrifice that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God's purpose for Jesus was fulfilled. And he was raised to life. I want you to know, church, our faith today is not empty. It's not useless. It's a living faith. Amen? So when it comes to purpose, it's like, I know that I have purpose today. I know that life has meaning because he lives. And he doesn't want us to just stamp our ticket to heaven and then just sit back and take it easy until he returns again. He has a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives, even today. And so he desires for us to grow in our faith. He, he, he wants us to be sanctified. That is to grow up in our faith. He wants us to become like his son, Jesus. That's one thing. Another is he wants us to be his witnesses. He says, hey, I want you to be my hands and my feet. When you speak, you're speaking as though you're speaking on my behalf. I want you to go out and show Jesus to the world. That's a pretty good purpose, isn't it? When we discover our purpose, like, hey, we've been redeemed, and his resurrection demonstrates that, and he's given us purpose for today. The question is, how do we fulfill that purpose? How are we able to to do such a great task? I would say two things, his power and his promise. The power of Jesus. I want you to consider this for just a moment. Through the power of Christ. Jesus, in John chapter 10, in his prayer, he said, The Father loves me because I lay down my life. And he goes on to say, um, I lay it down on my own accord. I don't. It's not taken from me. So when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't get killed by crucifixion. He willingly gave up his life. And he says, "I, I have power to to lay down my life, and I have the authority and the power to take it back up again. That's some pretty good power, isn't it? He said, lay down this life. 
I'll take it back up again. He says, you tear down this temple, it'll be rebuilt again in three days. He over and over predicted his resurrection, and the resurrection proved his power. When he came out of the tomb, it demonstrated that Jesus did exactly what he said that he would do. And he has power, yes, even over death. Now, he's already raised Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus is going to die again. Jesus raised from the grave to never die again. That's power. Amen? Now, here's the cool thing. Well, let me just say this first. On the cross, the Romans were mocking Jesus. <clears throat> you remember what they were saying? If he's God, let him save himself. He said he's here to save other people. Let him save himself. Come off the cross if you're really God. They were taunting him and they were mocking him. But Jesus had something so much more powerful in mind. He would allow them to murder him. He would allow them to go through with the crucifixion. And he would die and he would be buried. And three days later, how I many you know coming out of a tomb as a dead man, a previously dead man, is much more powerful than anything else, Right? And so he demonstrates his power by his resurrection. And here's the cool thing. Paul says in Ephesians 1, I pray that you understand the magnificent power of God's grace for those of you who believe. Summarize. I pray that you understand just how incredibly powerful God is on behalf of those who are believing in him. He says this, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Do you get that? So in life today, he says, hey, listen, I got this purpose for you, and I'm going to give you the strength to do whatever it is I call you to do, and I'm not giving you just a little bit of power. I'm giving you the same resurrection power that raised my son from the grave. I'm making it available to those who believe in me. Woo! That's power, right? It makes you want to say, you know what? If God is for us, who could be against us? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's power. That same resurrection power is available to you and to me. Mm, that's so good. So we can accomplish this purpose through the power of Christ and then the promises of Christ. Jesus made a lot of promises. God makes a lot of promises through his word. One of them, Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way. Not I am a way. I am one of many ways. Jesus said, hey, if you want to get to the Father when this is all over with, I'm your ticket. I'm the way to get there. I am the way. I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. As I said a moment ago, he made many promises that he would leave his disciples, but he said, hey, I'll be back. Three days later, I'll be raised again. Easter proves that God keeps his promises. You ever thought about that, how God is the ultimate promise keeper? God is faithful to keep his word and his promises Numbers 23 says this about God. God is not human, that he should not lie. Not a human being, that he should change his mind. God is trustworthy, right? To keep his promises. And so every year we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's like, hey, we're just standing on the promises of a faithful God. His promises are yes and amen. And if he said it's going to come true, then by golly, you can believe, it. You, you can, you can believe it's going to come true. Amen? Jesus says in John 5, Truly I say to you, one of the biggest promises and we could go on and on and on on the promises of Christ and God. It says, truly I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me, that's the gospel, right? Has everlasting life. It shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. And so even today, the, the, the news of the resurrection of Christ has 
bearing on our lives. It has power even for today. But I think I get most excited, especially this morning when I saw the lightning and I was reminded of one day when Christ returns, I look to the future. A lot of us don't want to look that far to the future, right? We're thinking about tomorrow, next week, stocks and, you know, retirement plans. But fast forward a little bit further. and Solomon, the wisest person that ever lived, said a, a, a fool thinks a lot about just this life and partying while the wise thinks often about death. And so you ever considered, you know, that one day this life's going to be over? What bearing does the resurrection of Christ have for us then? I'll tell you what it does. It gives me the hope of eternal life. If I were to survey the church this morning, because I was in this group for a long time, I said, hey, do you believe that you'll go to heaven when you die? Most people's answer, sadly, will say this, I hope so. Right? Will you go to heaven when you die? I hope so. <clears throat> and so a lot of the times the response there is just based on maybe a, a, a wrong upbringing, maybe some misinterpreted scripture or understanding, misunderstanding. Um, and so people come at Christ this way. They're like, hey, I'm trying to find um, just favor with God and justification, and I want to one day get there when this is all over with, and I'm relying on it because I'm very sincere. You've heard people say, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Hey, listen, I can sincerely believe I could build an airplane, but I promise you it ain't going to fly. <laughs> you can be sincerely wrong. Amen? So people say, hey, I, that, that's what I'm banking on. I'm banking on that I'm very sincere in my faith. Others will say, hey, I'm just trusting in my good works. I, I do a lot of good things, and one day I'm going to, you know, hopefully my good's going to outweigh my bad, and God's going to say, hey, you're in. You're, you're welcome. Some trust on good works. Some trust in salvation by subtraction. You know what that is? Hey, if I quit drinking, quit smoking, quit dancing, quit, you know, dipping snuff, and quit hanging out with the girls that do that, if I just quit doing enough of the bad things, then at the end of life, God's going to see that and go, hey, man, welcome in. Some approach salvation through ritual. They say, like, hey, man, I just go to church, and I've faithfully gone to church my whole life. Some through heritage. Hey, my family is Christian, and so naturally I'm a Christian. No, it doesn't quite work that way. And some say, you know what, I'm just trusting because I'm not as bad as that person over there, right, by comparison. Here's what you and I need to know today. Salvation and eternal life comes only through having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what he said when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. He's the only way to the Father. And so I believe that we're at a crossroads even today in life. We can choose to believe the gospel. We can choose to believe the resurrection of Jesus, something that happened 2,000 years ago, or we can choose to disbelieve it or just to write it off as insignificant of no value and say, yeah, I don't believe that. But can I just tell you that the implications of not believing are the same as if it didn't happen in the first place? They're catastrophic. What a waste. What a waste of a life and opportunity. Because the remedy is right in front of all of us. The price has already been paid. Everything that needs to be done has been done through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we call it good news. And so when it comes to salvation, you might say, you know, what does this, what does this look like? What can we say about salvation? It's not what we know, but it's who we know. I read this cute story of a, a father who took his son to the carnival with seven of his friends for his son's birthday. And as he gets to the carnival, he just buys a whole roll of tickets, right? And so one ride and after another ride, he would give a ticket out to his son and his seven friends. And about after the fifth ride, another hand sticks itself out. And the father says, who are you? He says, I'm your son's newest friend. 
Your son told me that if I was his friend, that his dad would give me a ticket. So his dad gave a ticket to his son and his eight friends. Here's the deal. One day, one day, when all this is over, we'll stand before God. The Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. We'll stand before God, and he will say something to the effect of, who are you, and why should I let you into my heaven? We could try to answer with, hey, I'm sincere, or I work really hard, or I was raised in a Christian family, or I'm not as bad as these other people, or I've gotten rid of a lot of bad habits in my life. Or we could simply say, I'm your son Jesus' newest friend. I've placed my faith in what he's did on my behalf. And I'm choosing to follow him. And hear Jesus, hear God rather say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now to the joy of your Lord. Why do we celebrate Easter? We celebrate Easter because as Jesus died and rose again, we know this, our sins are forgiven. We have purpose to live out in this life with power and with the promises of God. And we know that our eternal future is secured in heaven all because he lives because of the gospel. That's good news, isn't it? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Easter's life-changing message is that we can have a brand new life and eternity with God. And that's because all of God's promises are true and he keeps his promises. I wonder today, as I mentioned at the beginning, like what if this was the last day? What if God was saying, hey, I just want to give my church one more opportunity to hear the good news Give people one more opportunity to respond to the message of the gospel so that that harvest is going to be even greater when I come back. What if today is the last day? Can I ask you a question? Do you know him? Have you placed your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ? The most important decision you'll ever make in your life is what do you do with the gospel? Do you believe it? Or do you reject it? Church, today, are we walking out our lives as though the resurrection never happened? Or can we, with like renewed focus and zeal and passion this morning, say, he lives. And because he lives, I know my sins are forgiven. Oh, and I got a lot of them. Because he lives, I know that life has meaning. I don't have to aimlessly wander around wondering what life is all about. He's told me that, and he has a plan and a purpose for me. So God, what is that plan and what is that purpose? Oh, that seems so big. Don't worry, Shane. I'm going to give you my power. Not just any power, but the power that raised my son from the grave. I'm going to give you that power too. And I got all my promises. And listen, I'm trustworthy. I will keep my word. How I many know that's good news? So we should walk through life with celebration like the first church that as they greeted each other, oh, there wasn't no gloom, doom, and despair in their voices. They were like, he's risen. He's risen indeed. Amen? Oh, church, I hope that you have a special Precious Easter, and here's what I do. I'll, I'll just dismiss in prayer, and I, I know that there's more people here than normal, and so I don't want to be crowded or put you in an awkward spot, but I would say this. If you're here today and you've not placed your faith in Christ, you're like, Shane, this speaks to me, man. I'm just thinking about what if today's the last day? What if this is my only opportunity? And I need to respond to that. And you got questions? When we dismiss, I would love for you to come up and visit with me or David or Lance. We'll be up here to visit with you this morning. And I say, it's, it's too busy. I don't want to come up there. Take one of the cards on the seat back in front of you. Fill it out. Give us contact information where we can reach out to you. And just simply write on there, I'd like to speak with a pastor. Because I want you to know it's the most important decision you can make in this life. Amen? Of eternal consequences. Father, I thank you for Easter. I thank you that we get to gather and celebrate your son, Jesus. Having demonstrated his power over death, hell, and the grave. 
He lives today. Lord, I believe it with all of my heart as though I were there and saw it with my own eyes. I believe it. Lord, there's just too many evidences around me and in my own life of the fact that the resurrected Lord is resurrecting me. And God, I thank you for that. And Lord, I, I hope that your word and your conviction is just heavy upon every one of us that we would live every day as though it could be the last day. And that we would make the most of every opportunity that's in front of us that one day when we stand before you and you say, who are you and why should I let you into my heaven? Lord, we could say, I believe in Jesus. I put my whole faith in what Jesus accomplished for me on the cross. And Lord, because he lives, it demonstrates that it's all true and I'm trusting him for life. I pray, God, that that would be today a decision for someone here. And Lord, for those of us that are just going through difficult situations and maybe we feel like the world is kicking us in the teeth, overwhelmed with all the junk going around us, remind us, Father, that the resurrection has implication in our life even today that we can live it in purpose and it's your power through us that gives us the ability, like the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I can handle this with the strength that comes from Christ, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And for each one of us, Lord, just help us to have a spirit that's always looking up and anticipating with excitement and with just this amazing hope of one day when you return, just like that lightning this morning from the east to the west, visible for all to see. One day we believe that you're going to step out on a cloud and you're going to call your church home. Oh, what a wonderful and powerful event that's going to be. I'm ready. I'm ready. And Lord, my prayer is that everyone in this room is ready as well. And Scott, would you please just move in our hearts, Lord, today as we consider this and as we celebrate, Lord, that the resurrection of your son has implication on our lives today, even our lives. Father, thank you. Be honored, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. He is risen.